0: Live from Infinia ML, this is Machine Meets World. I am James Kotecki. So excited to talk artificial intelligence today with my guest, Doug Souder. He is, and I will read this to get it right, the Director, Digital Product Management and Analytics at John Deere. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, James. Great to be here. Doug, when people hear your title and then they hear the company that you work for, what do they usually think?
1: Well, James, I'm based in the Bay Area. And so, uh, you know, when I when I talk to people and tell them I work for John Deere, they're a little bit surprised at first, wondering what is John Deere doing in Silicon Valley. Um, but I find that people have a, a significant interest in agriculture. You know, many of us have family roots that go back several generations, are uh, familiar with the brand. And I'm always excited to talk about what technology uh, is happening in, in agriculture, and how we at John Deere are not really just an equipment company, but actually a technology company that is applying uh, technologies like artificial intelligence to solve some of the world's biggest challenges.
0: And that brand is so strong. I, when I told my grandfather, I was doing this, you know, we had memories of me riding around on the John Deere lawnmower that he had at his house, the kind of riding tractor. Another one of my, one of my colleagues today was really excited for this interview, because as you said, he has a family farm and he grew up with this technology, Um, give me a sense. Just to kind of set the playing field, give me a sense of where the technology is today. I mean, this is an AI show, but you can you can expand a little bit further than that if you want. Like when we think about the cutting edge of of agriculture, what are we even talking about?
1: So there's some really big challenges that we face uh, in agriculture. You know, as as many. Of you know the, the world's population is projected to grow, and so that creates a challenge for farmers to meet the needs of food production in a in a sustainable way. And farmers globally face significant challenges of shortages of skilled labor, um, unpredictable weather, and there, there's always a race against time to get the uh, to get crops in on time. And so and so what this results in is a huge need for farmers to be able to do more with less. And that's less time, less labor, less seeds, less chemicals, and really, technology provides uh, an opportunity to help farmers uh, solve solve those those challenges. Um, and what we're really focused on is bringing that technology to bear to help farmers optimize every aspect of their of their farming operation.
0: And so, when we talk about AI and we zoom in on AI specifically. What are some of the things that I don't know? What are some of the things that you're working on right now this week? What's going on?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the most uh, exciting uh, technologies that, that that we're developing is called Sea and Spray. So traditionally, when when farmers have a, a problem uh, uh, with weeds in their field, they have to make a field level decision about whether they should take a machine called a sprayer in and and spray that uh, that that field. To take care of the weed problem and a a field might be a hundred football fields just to give you a sense of the of the size so it's a field level decision what ai enables us to do is is mount cameras on that machine and as that machine goes to the field in real time those cameras are taking pictures of what's beneath it it is running that through a machine learning algorithm that has been trained on hundreds of thousands of images and can detect the difference between a weed and a crop. And then that algorithm uh, enables individual nozzles to spray chemicals only on the weeds and not on the crop. And so this is an application of AI that can result in Uh, reduction of herbicides up to 80%. And so that has a significant impact, not just on the farmer's bottom line, but also on the environment as well. Something we're really excited about.
0: And I think speaking of it in bottom line terms is very interesting. I mean, I'm sure every farmer wants to do the right thing for the planet and as much as they can, as far as not spraying as much of this stuff. But when we talk about an 80% reduction in herbicide, even from what you've already said, I think you're getting the picture that like for me and probably for many people in AI, we're kind of city slickers and we need these basic farming concepts like explained to us before we can get into this. But it's fascinating because when you talk about an 80% reduction, let's say in herbicide, You're also talking about a relatively expensive process. I mean, AI, machine learning, data science, um, you know, computation, those things aren't cheap, right? So how do do you weigh these things out and figure out? Because for me, that sounds like a, a massive expense to get to the point where every individual nozzle is spraying based on a machine learning algorithm trained on millions of pictures. That's a big process.
1: It is uh, at the at the end of the day, you know our our vision is to, to help our customers be the world's most profitable and sustainable farmers, and and so uh, we want that technology to achieve a, a payback for them, um, so that it makes sense to deploy that technology uh, on their field. And we so we really see financial sustainability and and environmental sustainability going together because. Farmers want to leave uh, a legacy for the next generation. Many, m- many farmers are family farmers. And they want to pass down not only uh, healthy farms, but a profitable business to the next generation. So we see we see those two going together.
0: Are are we at a break even point now or have we already surpassed it where, you know, it makes sense for those who have the capital to invest in machinery like this? Or are there still investments being made and the groundwork being laid for some kind of future break even point where it just kind of like with electric cars people talk about in a few years, it's going to make financial sense just in baseline terms for everybody to get that. Are we there yet with the kind of AI technology you're talking about with farm equipment?
1: We are. That's one of the things that's that's exciting about working at John Deere is we're not just talking about future concepts. Of course, there are more concepts uh, in the pipeline, but we have AI technology deployed in production in fields today, where farmers uh, are are taking uh, are making decisions to purchase that uh, technology because of the benefit that it gives them today. So we're already there.
0: And and I think there's interesting lessons with so many of the different aspects of what we're talking about. But let's take the idea of what it has meant and what it does mean to be a farmer, right? When, again, city slickers like me hear the term farmer, certain certain things come to mind to kind of laid back easy life on the farm, which I know isn't really true, but I'm just kind of giving some general perceptions that people might have. And now you're talking about all of this technology. And I think this mirrors a trend in other industries where workers who maybe previously did not have to be as advanced in their understanding of AI, machine learning, data science, technology. Farmers may not be the ones programming it, but they at least need a passing familiarity with these concepts to be able to get the most use out of this technology, I assume. So how is technology changing what it means to be a farmer?
1: So I think of it as another tool in the toolkit for farmers, and we're really augmenting and supporting farmers and what they do already. So I like, to, I like to ask people sometimes, what's the most important sensor on a farm? And historically, the most important sensor has been the farmer's eyes themselves as they observe the physical environment. And what we're doing with camera technology is really augmenting uh, those human eyes with cameras. We're augmenting and supporting the human brain with computers, and then we're augmenting the human hand with robotics. And so those, those things really come together to give uh, to, to give farmers additional tools, and really, we've been. This is no different than the type of innovation that we've been doing for for you know 180 years. It's just uh, different than the steel plow. Now we're talking about cutting edge technologies like AI, but it's all about helping farmers be more productive, more profitable, more sustainable.
0: Are there lessons here about human intuition? Because People always wonder, like, what's the role of humans in this? And we often do talk about augmentation rather than replacement or full automation in, in situations like this. But uh, do situations still come up where the farmer's eyes should probably trump what the camera is theoretically telling the farmer to do because the farmer just has more intuition or, or maybe more data that the machine doesn't have?
1: I think there's a the, a learning curve that goes goes along with some of these technologies, Um you know, and one of the things that we think about is not just how to build automation, but what is the user experience uh, that needs to, to, to be part of that technology to help build the trust and confidence uh, in the automation um, so that the, whether it's the operator in a piece of the machinery understands why is this equipment doing something maybe that's different than, than I would be doing right now? um and of of course there can be edge cases where where we continue to refine the technology but in many cases if you present the data if you present a visualization for the the farmer to understand why did the equipment do what it did it builds and grows their confidence that the automation is really is really capable
0: and so how much of an adjustment is, are these technologies i mean i know that farmers have been really embracing technology since you said the early 1800s, at least, you know, before before John Deere even existed, there was, you know, uh, metal plows were better than like digging with your hands. Right. So technology and farming have gone hand in hand throughout the entire history of the enterprise. But uh, is there an adjustment period or is this kind of to a farmer, one more incremental addition of technology in a never ending addition of technology that they're deploying on their farms?
1: Yeah, I think it's an evolution. I mean, we, we've been uh, building self-driving uh, uh, t- tractors for the last 20 years, right? So, so um, you know, GPS-guided equipment uh, and those type of technologies, control systems, have been a- around for a while. And I think what we, uh, what we just see now is the transition of sensors, uh, different types of sensors, different types of control algorithms uh, and different forms of digital software that help support uh, maybe um, what was before a manual spreadsheet or a uh, handwritten notes and those type of things. but but uh, it, it is the pace of that that innovation is accelerating, but but I do see it as an evolution that's that's continued over time.
0: The reason I'm probing with some of these questions around kind of how people feel when they get these technologies is I think there's interesting parallels to other industries where someone comes in and they say, hey, we're gonna add machine learning to this and workers maybe rightfully or wrongfully start getting scared or nervous or wondering how they're gonna to have to transition. Do you think farming is a good example to other industries or are there unique things about farming where you mentioned there's maybe a, a labor shortage or certain environmental and, and population uh, constraints or factors here that, that, that make it a unique place where is farming a uniquely uh, is is farming an industry that is uniquely interested in machine learning, or do you think it has lessons to teach other industries?
1: I think there are are lessons to teach other industries. Um, you know sometimes the conversation about about automation gets into well our jobs going to be replaced by robots, those type of those type of conversations. In farming, as I mentioned, there's a real labor shortage globally, a shortage in skilled labor. Um, and, and really, you know, so, so farmers, our customers are asking us for more automation. They want the ability for a lower skilled operator to be able to operate a piece of equipment that used to require someone with many years uh, of training. And in addition to that, we're really talking about automation doing for a farmer, what they, what they just can't do without the technology. And so, you know, maybe to, to, um, You know, I like to to say that we're helping farmers be better micromanagers. Uh, Micromanaging is also a bad word in business, but in farming, it's a great word. And if you just picture, uh, maybe if you have a garden at home, you know, you might picture the care that goes into planting a garden and putting, you know, preparing the soil carefully, planting every seed and spacing it out just right, putting just the right amount of water, putting just the right amount of of, of fertilizer on, on each and every seed. And now picture that your job as a farmer is to care for millions of those gardens in a given season. You just can't do that without technology that can automate and give the type of precise, uh, you know, the precise application of nutrients, the precise placement of seeds. And so when you think about it from that perspective, our customers are asking for us to innovate in these areas. And I think there's probably a lot of application to those principles to other industries as well.
0: Uh, John Deere as a company, as a brand, has been around since 1837. Are there unique benefits and or obstacles with the work that you do in data science and analytics and trying to make that more of a part of your offering? And I assume uh, probably more a part of the, the, the internal runnings of the business as well. Um, there's many large companies out there, many large brands trying to make this shift. What can John Deere teach them?
1: Well, we're we're still on the journey, as is, is every every company. Um, I, I do think we've you know, we've learned a, a couple of things along the way. Um, you know, we've had teams of of people building products for farmers for a long, long time, as you mentioned Uh, As we think about AI-driven products, data science-driven products, it's really, um, I think I've become more and more convinced that that it's a team sport. And the the players on the team are maybe different than just traditional uh, software engineering products of the past. Um, If I think about some of the unique roles that we're bringing together, bringing together data scientists, taking folks that maybe in the past were really academically oriented, focused on their output as a white paper. Now their output, they're contributing to production software code that's running farmers operations and and, and enabling their livelihood. Uh, Those data scientists really need data engineers to support them to build the data pipelines that bring data from operational systems, maybe that collect that data and get it into structures where the data scientists can, can create models. Uh, That that's a a relatively, you know, new discipline and then uh, product managers and UX designers, when you're building digital software tools that are, are, um, you know, maybe showing the output of a predictive model or an estimate, it's different than than uh, just performing, a, you know, the same calculation over and over again. And so so what's unique is bringing those new disciplines together um, and putting them in, a, in an environment uh, that are iterating rapidly, working with customers to make sure that software is, is working well. So I see it as an extension um, an expansion of traditional software uh, software development, and we've we've learned that that teaming model of bringing those unique disciplines together is really important. And I think the other, the second thing, maybe I would say, is that that uh, you know your AI strategy has to run on data. Uh, it's easy to get focused on the exciting algorithm that's going to be developed, the predictive model that's going to be developed, but it's the unglamorous work of collecting data, of assessing data quality, of building data pipelines and robust structures that allow allow for data scientists to get at that data. Often, you'll find that data scientists will spend 70% of their time just wrangling the data to get it into a useful okay. form. And so those investments in that foundational data acquisition and 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 transformation pipelines that's really um, where the initial focus of a company should uh, should start because if you don't have that data you're going to really struggle to uh, to create value on top of it so those have been a couple of the lessons I think we've learned along the way
0: And had John Deere been collecting this data before AI and machine learning were major pushes? Is there a benefit there? Because of course the company's been around for a long time, but was it uniquely situated in its data uh, because of just business practices that it had in the past several decades?
1: To to some degree, we have been connecting uh, equipment to the cloud for many, many years, really for the benefit of our farmers. And so, um, you know, One 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 example is the type of uh, diagnostic uh, uh, machine data that comes off of our our equipment um, that has flown up to the cloud for uh, troubleshooting of and diagnosing of equipment issues. We were able to leverage that data to create uh, predictive diagnostics. So we we now process that machine data. We create what we call expert alerts. So this is a predictive model that says, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna experience a part failure in the near in the near future." We send that message then to our dealers so they can proactively reach out to our customers and and uh, and service that vehicle before there's any downtime. And this is a really big deal because in the heat of the battle, the the last thing that a farmer needs is to lose a few hours or a day of work because of a, of, a, of a part that went down. So that's an example where, where much of that data had existed for similar purposes and we extended its use uh, uh, by use of a, of a machine learning algorithm to create more value with it.
0: Yeah, this is so relevant. And it occurs to me that like when John Deere talks about deploying AI and ML and technology into the field, like you're one of the few companies where that is literally true. Um, and so it's really exciting to talk to you about this and to hear that so many of the things that you're going through are things that we hear at Infinia ML from other clients in so many different industries, um, but that you're putting it to practical use. It's great. Um, are there ethical issues? People talk about AI ethics a lot these days, obviously, uh, bias and facial recognition and hiring are, are certain ones, medical issues. Are there... A set of ethical issues in precision agriculture and the kind of machine learning AI work that you do?
1: Well, as you mentioned, when people talk about ethics and AI, they're often talking about bias and models. It's something that that is maybe a little different for us, but is still relevant. You know, we have a global customer base and that equipment, if we think about an application of AI and equipment automation, uh, we want that to work. In all of the physical and environment uh, physical environments that that equipment is going to operate in, so you know having uh, really good test sets of data that are broadly representative of the environment uh, that our equipment will operate in is certainly something that we focus on. I think another another topic in agriculture that's really uh, that's really relevant is the use of data, data privacy, and and how um, uh, data use policies are, are created. This is something we've spent a significant amount of time in. Our customers have entrusted us for years. Um, uh, you know, we have a, a, a long-standing brand, and they've entrusted us to store and and, and manage data that comes off of their equipment, uh, data that's used to manage their farm. And so we've gone to great lengths to have transparent data policies. In fact we've received industry certification that validates that that we're in compliance with those with those transparent policies for how data can be used. So those are a couple of the issues that come to mind.
0: Um, another very timely issue of course COVID-19 and agriculture has been a large part of this story. Are we able to supply everybody with the food that we need to get through the pandemic in very difficult times? So when you see the history of Uh, Agricultural AI being written, what does the COVID 19 chapter say?
1: I think that the COVID 19 chapter uh, really cements the role of connectivity in in particular um, uh, for helping um, us get through this uh, pandemic. Of course, you know, most farmers aren't able to just work from home like you and I uh, are today. But but when our uh, customers have a challenge, you know, because we've invested in connectivity over the last years, our dealers are able to remotely diagnose and service vehicles, um, uh, apply over the air software updates using those kind of remote connectivity tools. And that allows both farmers and our dealer service technicians to do their jobs safely. Um, the The ability for, for farm managers to from their smartphone, manage their farm, uh, make decisions, oversee what their operators are doing in the cab without having to be there uh, physically allows them again to socially distance and be and be safe. And, and and I already gave the example of the expert alerts that even then take that to the next level by applying machine learning algorithms to, to use that connectivity and data to, to, to proactively, you know, diagnose potential problems. So all of those areas are ways in which um, you know, things we were doing before, but the, the, the increase in utilization of these technologies that we've seen over the last six months has been significant. And we do not expect those to decline, even as the pandemic uh, hopefully recedes here in the near future. Uh,
0: are there Are there works of fiction that inspire you for this? I think about My history, the history that I have had personally of fictional futuristic agriculture probably starts at like the old Horizons ride at Epcot, which is no longer around, but it used to show you like futuristic farm robots going around. You know, Luke Skywalker and his family were moisture farmers. The movie Interstellar came out a few years ago, the Christopher Nolan movie. The whole first act of that movie was about farming and they were using a ton of automated robotic machinery to get that done. So are there fictional works that you go to that kind of inspire the work that you do?
1: Well, one one movie that comes to mind, it doesn't specifically relate to agriculture, but it's it's Apollo 13, you know, the it really gets at the the heart of Ah, uh, necessity being the mother of 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 invention and and the the innovation that was required to bring back the you know the group of of astronauts. Um, You know, my favorite scene in that movie is when they dump all those parts on the table.
0: I knew you were going to say that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All the parts on the table and say, this is what we've got to work with. Uh, I think it was to fix the air scrubber or Mm -hmm. something like that. And so, you know, that's a little bit uh, that's, you know, perhaps not as dramatic. That's a little bit how I think about uh, uh, product development, though. It's, you know, we've got technologies that exist today that are on the table. How can we how can we take those? How can we learn from lessons from other industries, take what's available and really uh, use those to assemble great solutions to customer problems and help farmers uh, be more profitable, be more sustainable. And uh, and so that inspires me to to be innovative uh, every every day.
0: Though so you've been an exceptional guest on Machine Meets World, and I want to give you the last minute or two to say anything you want. Is there anything that you want to plug or any concept or topic that we didn't broach here that you think people should know about?
1: I think I think we've covered it, it well. I would just maybe summarize by saying that uh, you know, we're really proud to to support farmers globally and the work that they 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 do, and we're excited about how technology, including artificial intelligence, can really make a big difference—not uh, just in the lives of farmers, but really in the lives of all of us. You know, we depend on a safe and reliable food supply to put food on the table. Uh, for all of our families. And we think that the future uh, of doing that in light of a, a rising world population is really the application of artificial intelligence and and technology like that. We're excited to be leading the way and thank you for the chance to talk about it today.
0: You summed it up well, John Deere's Doug Souter. Thank you so much for joining us today on Machine Meets Worlds. Thanks. And thank you so much for watching and or listening. Please share, like, comment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can also email the show. If you want to email the show, it's mmw, machine meets world, mmw at infiniaml.com. I have been your host, James Kotecki, and that is what happens when machine meets world.